This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast, where I interview authors about their latest works. My name is Cindy Burnett, and I love to talk about books. For more book recommendations, check out my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Thoughts from a Page, and on Twitter at burn555555. I want to say thanks to Kathleen West, author of Minor Dramas and Other Catastrophes and the upcoming Are We There Yet?, and Andrea Jones of Chatmom for recently highlighting my podcast on social media. I greatly appreciate their helping me spread the word about this show. Today, I am interviewing Eliza Jane Brasher about her book, If I Disappear. Eliza is an author, screenwriter, and journalist. This is her adult debut, and she currently lives in Los Angeles, where she is developing If I Disappear for television. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome, Eliza. How are you today? I am very good. How are you? I'm doing equally well. Why don't we start out with you just talking a little bit about If I Disappear, telling me the basic synopsis. Okay, so If I Disappear is the story of a woman who is kind of like an obsessive fan of a true crime podcast. Her life is kind of not really going the way that she wants. She feels kind of adrift, like she's sort of like recently divorced, like she's lost her job. She doesn't really know where she belongs in the world. So she's like a little lost herself. And then the host of the podcast that she is such a huge fan of vanishes. And she kind of sees herself in this person. She feels like this is someone that she knows, like someone who's like a close friend. And so she investigates uh, the host's disappearance, like using all of the knowledge she has garnered from listening to all these true crime podcasts. And she ends up in like this super like rural area of Northern California that's based on like a real place and meets all these like kind of creepy people and is just trying to unravel this like mystery from there. Well, I'm dying to hear where you got your inspiration for it, both the true crime part and this ranch. So, yeah, I mean, that's like those are like the I guess the main elements that came together. So the first thing was probably the setting. So I actually like I used to live in London. I lived there for like 10 years and I was like married uh, to an Englishman and then he passed away. And so I ended up moving back to America and kind of had to like start over. And I had this idea, like I was like, oh, why don't I go and like work at a dude ranch? Because I used to ride horses. I was like, it'll be like a fun summer job, just something totally different. Like I thought it would be like really therapeutic in a way, like working with animals and in this kind of beautiful setting. Like I was there in the preseason. So already that's a little eerie because you're not with guests. I was kind of another employee and me out in the middle of nowhere. And you're like in isolation like that. You kind of really rely on the people around you to like keep you sane. And when the people around you are maybe kind of more dangerous or it can be kind of scary. So it was like I was in this environment where people were telling these kind of wild stories. didn't know what was true or what wasn't. It was like this escalating sort of paranoia among the other, I guess, employees. And it was just this this really crazy situation. And I only lasted there for like, I lasted for like six weeks when finally it got to the point where like, lines were crossed. And I was like, okay, this is now actually dangerous. So I better go. I left thinking, you know what, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be, but it was a really great setting for a book. But I definitely like took being in isolation of kind of maybe being around people who you don't really know what's real and what isn't. So that was one element of it. And then the other element, like you said, was true crime. And I actually kind of got into true crime, I guess, Right before I I moved to the ranch, so right after my husband died, my husband actually, his death was like an unlawful killing. And we had to like go through the this whole like coroner's court situation. And it was like really traumatic, like having to like kind of go through all of like what actually happened that sort of, I guess, led to his death. And, And in a weird way, it kind of replicated 
like a true crime uh, story, right? I mean, I, I guess it really essentially was one. So I found that like I started like getting really into like watching like Dateline. When you go through like a traumatic thing like that, there's really no space for you in the world to like talk about it. People don't, it's scary. It's kind of dark. People don't really want to obviously like hear about that. The true crime community is like a safe space to kind of address those sort of things. Then I discovered they like the true crime podcast, like my favorite murder or like crime junkie. And then it just became almost a whole other thing because I was introduced to these amazing women who talk about mental health, who are very like honest and open and have created this really like kind of wonderful community. So I kind of got more like, I guess, involved in that kind of community. And I really wanted to sort of write a book about that. Well, that's all fascinating and must have just been horrific for you, not only to deal with your husband's death, but then to have it be a situation where you were thrown into all of the extra things around it and just for him to die that way. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, absolutely. It was like a really, a very like dark period, I would say. I mean, the thing with like stuff like that is it just takes time. And like when it, right when it happens, you don't, you don't think clearly. I think. So it really was just about like taking the time to like kind of try to like heal. And then eventually you get to the point where, where you can like think about maybe doing other things or like starting over, as they say. Right. Yes, exactly. And that's interesting that the true crime podcast or stories like Dateline were helpful, I guess, maybe something that you could kind of identify with a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, it, it's like there's really not like a lot of spaces where we can talk about stuff like that, like this bad stuff that happens or even really like death. But that's, I think, one of the cool things about like that community is that I think that there is like a space for that. And they also, like I said, like my, my favorite murder, they talk about mental health all the time. And I think that that's part of like the draw for people in a way, because it's like a way to address like your own sort of fears or anxieties that you might have in the real world in a way that feels like safe and more controlled. I guess I'd never really thought about it that way. I, I'm not a true crime person at all. And I think it's kind of the flip side of that, that I don't want to know about a lot of those things because then I'd lay awake at night worrying about even more. But I know it's a huge draw and all sorts of stories and podcasts and books now. It seems like it's a very thriving market. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think like every sort of, I guess, fandom or community, it's like there are there are certain people that are drawn to it. And we're all, I think, kind of drawn to it for similar reasons. But that's like what our sort of like, I guess, like coping mechanism. And the cool thing about the community is that there are some of the most amazing, most giving people. Like there is like definitely an element of very empathetic people who maybe aren't as able to look away from these bad things that happen. No, it really is. Yeah, these people who will just come in and try to help with different crimes that haven't been solved or whatever it is. No, I agree with you completely. It's hard sometimes to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And I think instead for me, it would I would lie awake at night. Well, I love your format. I always enjoy creative formats. And I really liked the way your book was structured. How did you come up with that? Honestly, like a lot of it, it happened organically, like it was pieces of like influences. So just listening to podcasts, I really wanted the voice of podcasts to come through. And then I think that a book that really like unlocked the voice for me was the book You by Carolyn Kepnes, famously a, a television show. I read that book and it uses like the second person in a kind of similarly sort of like obsessive way. So that was like a big influence because that was a way for me to make sure that Rachel, who is the woman that's missing, actually like exists in the narrative. Because at the end of the day, it's like we're talking about Sarah doesn't know Rachel. We don't know Rachel. So I think it was really kind of like an organic just drawing together of of different like source material and kind of like using, I guess, that 
that second person to make it so that Rachel is part of the book, even though we never like really meet her. That she's still able to tell her portion of the story. Well, what do you hope readers take away from your book? I mean, I I guess I like personally, I don't feel like I should ever kind of like define what somebody's reaction would be. I went from like sort of being married and having like one life to then having to sort of start over, like move back to America and be experiencing that for the first time. And just feeling like really isolated, feeling like I wasn't really valued as a person, like especially when you start like trying to date like on Tinder and stuff and you're like, wow, I really wanted to like address that. So I think if I can just bring that kind of thing to light, like the fact that I think that people feel sometimes like you feel like if you don't fit into like these traditional roles or for whatever reason, you're not part of a couple like that you sort of there's nowhere for you to be or you're not as valuable as a person. And that that's like something I for sure wanted to like address. But again, like I think everyone will take away hopefully something good, but it will be something different for each individual. Well, and that's the point of fiction, I think, is that every reader comes at it from a different perspective and is going to take something different away from the story. So you have written YA books, is that right? Yes, this is correct. So you are switching to adults. So what made you decide to do that? Well, okay, so I like everything with me is like some crazy story. So like right after I got my book deal, which I think was like six years ago, that my husband died like like really right after that, before my book had even come out. And so that kind of overshadowed, like eclipsed the whole experience of having a book come out. And in a way, it kind of like tainted it. Like I think that when you lose someone that is that close to you, it really like infects your life and you kind of start thinking in almost like surreal way. So the whole experience like kind of got tangled up and I really just wasn't like enjoying it anymore. Like I was like crying, writing all the time. Like it was like a struggle. And I finally felt like, you know what, I need to like just draw a line in the sand and kind of like stop writing. So I parted ways with my agent. Like that's when I moved back to America and got that job at the ranch. Like to me, it was like, okay, let's just do something else because you're really not happy with what you're doing. And I started kind of like working other jobs. So I was working as like a horseback riding instructor and doing that. But I don't know, like, if you know anything about that industry, but like, that's a tough industry too, because you get paid like minimum wage, you don't have breaks, you don't have lunches, you work six to seven days a week. And like your perk is that you're around horses, but I couldn't afford even to, to live in an apartment, I had to live with my parents. And so I got to the point there where I was basically like, okay, this isn't really working. I do love writing, I'll always be a writer. And once I had kind of I think put, like I said, like that time and distance between the past where I actually wanted to write for TV. So I moved to LA thinking I would do that. Found that that was really difficult, like even harder to get into than books. So I kind of was like, okay, I had this cool idea. I'm like, I can't just sell a script because like I, there's this industry is impenetrable. So I went back to writing a book. And that was obviously the book I wrote was If I Disappear. And like the cool thing is too, like from this book, I've actually gotten to be able to work on a script for the book. So it kind of did like work out. I love covers and titles and your cover is just wild. I mean, so cool. The second I saw it, I was like, I must read that book. So tell me how it came about. Okay. So, I mean, I guess I shouldn't like, I don't want to go like, I guess too much into like the backstage, but like, I agree with you. This is an awesome cover. They like hit it out of the ballpark. What happened is initially they kind of asked for kind of consultation. We came in with some ideas. They came back with an idea and I was like, I didn't feel like it really represented the book. So we kind of pushed back on that. And then they came back with this 
And we were like, oh yeah, that's it. So it was really cool. Like in that way that they just, they just like really made something so amazing. I feel like it's like a work of art. So it's something that I could obviously have never have even achieved, but it is interesting as well. Like the way that it works, because there's so many different people that are important in cover consultation that we, I guess, don't always realize like sales teams or like certain retailers, they have a the biggest say because they know the best, really. I feel like we were lucky that we got something that like I love and they love. So that was really lucky. I do too. And like you said, it is like a work of art. And then the way they've got the title only on her part of the face, it's just, it's very clever and it definitely stands out and is unique, but in a really great way. Yeah, I agree. Well, I know you're just in the process of getting this book out, but everybody always wants to know, are you working on anything else? Yeah. So I had like a two book deal with Berkeley. So I actually have already written my second book and it is like a lot different. Like, cause obviously like this has been a crazy year, right? So I, I thought I wanted to write something that was a little bit more like, I would say like funny. So it's kind of like more like of a comedic thriller. And I'll tell you like the title of it is good rich people. And my like personal tagline, which I'm sure they won't use, but which I, I like to say is there aren't any. <laughs> Okay, I am I am so curious about this book already. It sounds like it'll be a ton of fun to read. Yeah, no, it's like a really fun one. Like I've already sent it out to like one of my favorite authors for a blurb and she like loved it. So I'm excited for that. That will be awesome. Well, I think it's interesting because you you sit so long with something too. You're writing it and you're revising it and you're just working your way through it. And by the time you're done, you're probably like, I don't know whether this is good or not. A hundred percent. So this one was crazy too, because I actually like I worked all year and this has been obviously a tough year for everyone. I didn't like the book that I had written for, for probably most of the year. I hated it. And I finally just said to my editor, look, I think we need to change this and I'm changing the like premise and this is the new premise and I'm going to rewrite this book. And like I rewrote the whole book in like five weeks. Like I just like wow. didn't have a day off. Like I just worked my, cause I was, it was so important to me to make sure this was something that I believed in too. So that was like a extra, like it was an extra nice thing when someone liked it because I really like didn't even know if it made sense. It was pretty far out, like, and it was really fast and furious. <laughs> oh, that sounds like so much fun because I always like things that are a little different, not kind of this the normal thing you see. So that sounds interesting. So I guess that will be out next year. Yeah, I think it's like exactly a year from now, probably. That seems to be the schedule that a lot of times the publishers like to work on. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, would you like to tell me what you've read recently that you really liked? So, yeah. So one author that I really love is Andrea Bartz. She had this year, she had a book called The Herd come out, which is about like women in like a sort of communal workspace. She's a very similar writer to like me as in like me and If I Disappear, like she sort of writes about like, I think she called it like the inherent noir of being a woman in the world today. Um, the girls are also nice here by Lori Flynn. Elizabeth is like this beautifully written, really sharp story about, I won't say female friendship in general, just these particular kind of females. <laughs> and then May Cobb's The Hunting Wives is another one that comes out in, uh, I think in May. And it's like about like these, it's like a thriller about these like sort of like women in like Texas who are just kind of larger than life. And it's super fun. I've been seeing her name on Twitter more lately. A lot of people I follow, probably you and others, are liking her tweets because I have been seeing them. So I'll have to check that one out. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Eliza, on the Thoughts from a Page podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram and Pinterest at Thoughts from a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
I would really appreciate it. If I Disappear can be purchased at Murder by the Book, where I work part-time, and the link is in the show notes. Thanks to KP Regan for the sound editing, and I hope you'll tune in next time. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.